Oh, yesterday. What a job. Good job by Mike Tobin, Wiggles, Stu Zoss, Andrew Side. I'm Rob Salomon. Don't forget Michigan Hockey Thursday night on the sports stream at 7.30. Michigan Volleyball is part of our Game of the Week coverage Friday at 7. And then we'll the Michigan football game live versus Michigan State Saturday at uh, 3.30. So that's it from everybody in studio. Rob Salomon from Ann Arbor. Good night. Dave Revson with us, Big Ten Network, that Road to Omaha show. Baseball selection special. You and I think my father must have been the two people watching. Yeah, I don't think the ratings speak for that. <laughs> what do we have to do to get Tom Bredeman and Charles Davis off Michigan games? The two games they do, App State and Toledo. <laughs> That's a heck of a question. I'm sure no one is happy to see them show up. I, I, I would have to believe that's the case. Havlick Hopkins tomorrow night. Big fight and only one person to talk to. That's great well, person. I love the fight because of basically what it does is it gives me two contrasting styles. Did you play on the Michigan rugby team, Bert? I started it in 1959. Mm-hmm. And I was captain or something. I, whatever the hell they did to get me out of the room. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm a Michigan fan. I bleed my maize in blue. And I wonder what happened to him last weekend. Was Jamie Farr, the quarterback for Toledo? What the hell was that? This week, they're a 24-point underdog for Penn State. Has Michigan ever been a 24-point no, underdog? No, uh, never. I mean, Michigan is a proud team. It's a proud tradition. And all I ask is, please come back. Do something here, will you? Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and uh, Jim Dwyer, as far as I know, is going to be here, but maybe he's running into some heavy traffic or parking difficulties. Regardless, uh, the show must go on. Um, The code words today, of course, are opacity. Mendacity and stupidity. Uh, these seem to be widespread here in America, part of our financial crises. Uh, a lot of interesting developments over the week. I guess we can start out with a couple of quick brain damage awards while Jim gets settled down and settled in. <laughs> I want to hear more about Gordon Liddy, the plumber. I don't know about you, but... Uh, Forgotten hero from America's folklore. Yeah, a washed-up terrorist. (laughs) Um, But I I guess uh, we got to start out with this uh, congresswoman from Minnesota, Michelle Bachman. Apparently, uh, last Friday, she called for an investigation into anti-Americanism in Congress. This is a... Uh, Where's Joe McCarthy now that we need him? Yeah, Martin dies, Carl Munt. Ah, uh, what an idiot. And uh, she's running against a, a fellow by the name of... Are you sit- seated? <laughs> His last name is Tinkleberry. No way. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait. I, I think I'm misreading that. I think it's Tinkleberg, but anyway. Tinkleberg, Tinkleberry. Tinkleberry. Tinkle's not really a good uh, I guess name to build a political career on. Yeah, I guess it's not Dingleberry. <laughs> but anyway, apparently this uh, uh, Democratic opponent in Minnesota has received almost a million dollars in campaign contributions since this uh, Michelle Bachman, who uh, 
I've seen her on television before. She's a little bit like Palin. She's attractive, but uh, obviously an airhead. I'm not too sure what anti-Americanism in Congress she's talking about, uh, but apparently this is... Uh, I'm sure she voted against the uh, rescue package as a pseudo-populist uh, maneuver, and uh, I wouldn't worry about anti-Americanism in Congress. I'd worry about it in the Bush administration. Uh, just recently, by the way, it's been revealed that the Bush administration is part of the war on terror, uh, something, by the way, that I think was sadly omitted from uh, any uh, real discussions in the presidential debates, um, the war on terror and FISA and torture and all these heinous things that are going on. You know, Bernard, some crimes are so heinous. <laughs> uh, oh, but those are just bygones of... Of the Bush years. Yeah, and apparently uh, the National Security uh, Surveillance Program uh, operated as part of the so-called FISA law was intercepting calls from Americans abroad that had more to do with sex than security. Oh, I saw that article. Yeah. Where pieces of juicy information. Ooh, check out what I heard on this call. Right. You'll want to hear this. Uh, gets passed around in a rather prurient manner. And, of course, uh, the reason that I bring up the uh, monitoring of um, racy phone sex that was monitored by FISA National Security was that that was one of the amusing aspects of the uh, the plumber's operations of the Democratic National Indeed. Committee bugging because a lot of the conversations that uh, they caught were not... Uh, about the deep politics of the 1972 presidential election, but rather the secretarial secretarial pools, uh, phone, sexual yeah, their shenanigans their, from the weekend, their dates and their, uh, you know, sort of like uh, well, their the, personal private lives. Yeah, so, <laughs> sure, it had some juicy uh, sort of uh, discussions, reminiscent of some of the discussions that the Blastoff girls used to have on their show here on CBN uh, back in the day. They're goings on over the weekend, you know. Right. Of course, we love Sue Dice. Wendy Case and Tanya. The Blastoff girls. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know about you, but most plumbers are sort of overweight dudes uh, with their Levi's falling down their, <laughs> down their legs a little bit. And... Uh, yeah, they work hard, but uh, Joe the plumber, what what a uh, what a circus that's turned into. Well, and so we'll give up John McCain a brain damage award for even grasping broaching the subject. Yeah, well, and there I have more to say on Joe the plumber, uh, but I have a, a leftover brain damage award from last week that uh, was actually last Monday's front page story on the uh, Ann Arbor News. Uh, a gun-toting picnic yeah. at a local park in which a uh, number of citizens of uh, our great land uh, decided to get together and enjoy their right, it is their right, after all, to wear a firearm. Not a concealed weapon, of course, that requires a, uh, a special permit, but um, an open weapon. And reading the article, you know... I have a good friend who collected guns and who hunted and shot guns, and so I have experience with guns. I went out shooting with them at the range, so I'm not, uh, you know, predisposed against guns 
entirely. Uh, they're tools, uh, and they obviously have uses, functions, and purposes. But I don't think walking around town and wearing one of them is, is really one of the purposes, unless you're a duly accredited representative of the law, i.e. a cop, and maybe even then they don't need to carry guns as often as they do. But some of the comments from the people involved at this party about why they carry a gun were really remarkable, and they play into this whole thing that the Republicans have desperately been trying to thump away at this barrel of the fear-mongering. And, you know, you watch the people chanting USA, USA, and those people who are the most bold and outspoken and, you know, aggressively patriotic, ironically, are actually the most underconfident and insecure, uh, oftentimes. And so some of these guys... Uh, this, I won't mention his name, but a U of M senior uh, was quoted here. When people say, why do you carry a gun? I'm a little speechless and say, why wouldn't you? Well, the reason this guy carries a gun is because one night he was approached by a homeless man, um, which startled the U of M senior. And he loudly asked the man to back away from him and step away, which the homeless guy did. And so the U of M senior thought, boy, that was a close call. I'd. Bet he wouldn't have come near me at all if I had had a gun. But, you know, what's the problem here? You were uncomfortable. You said something about it. The guy backed away. Why does a gun need to enter into that equation unless you're really just that paranoid to interact in the world in which we all live? So this sort of... Uh, loud, outspoken everyman, which has really turned into a bit of a problem for John McCain. I don't know if you saw this article, uh, which appeared oh, in yeah. the Ann Arbor News of last week entitled The Other Resonates in South. Scary. Uh, sad. Scary and sad. Yeah, and, you know, pathetic. reading this, it reminded me of stuff that, you know, we were told, you know, learned and read about back in school in the 70s about just how terrible things were in the South. And by golly, apparently still are in the views of some people. Uh, this guy, Ricky Thompson, who's a pipe fitter, who... Uh, this, a this plumber. Is, right. <laughs> Almost. <he laughs> connected in some uh, intangible way to Joe the plumber. Um, and these interviews were all conducted outside of a Walmart. Again, we talked a little bit about that last week. This is not really a great advertisement for Walmart, but uh, this guy, Ricky Thompson, talking about Obama, says, quote, he's neither nor, he's other. It's in the Bible. Come as one. Don't create other breeds. Well, I've read the Bible, and it doesn't say anything about that in there. Mm -hmm. Ricky Thompson, who I'll bet hasn't ever read a book from start to finish, uh, has this deeply including the Bible, including the Bible, has this deeply ingrained uh, fear of other. And uh, the rest of the quotes in the article, I won't bother. Uh, many listeners are, are probably familiar with this. It did appear locally. But just some explicitly uh, and bizarre racist comments about tearing up the rose bushes and planting watermelon. Where the heck does that come from? Yeah. I mean, that's well, just dementia from a bygone era. The amazing thing, too, though, is a lot of this these code words that have been used uh, even by established Republican leaders in localities like a... Southern Californian GOP, uh, I don't know what to call her, a, a sort of a precinct woman apparently uh, created some money with Obama on the front page with uh, blatantly racist images um, that this would happen if Obama got elected. And, uh, you know, it's, it's well known that they've been throwing um, 
Obama's middle name around quite a bit at some some of these introductions mm-hmm. for John McCain at uh, various events. And of course, Palin um, never ceases to amaze. You know, just recently she claimed she'd been vind- vindicated from the investigation in Alaska, claiming, quote, I'm very, very pleased to be cleared of any legal wrongdoing, any hint of any kind of unethical activity there, which is classic Palin lingo. <laughs> lingo. Um, needless to say, the report actually stated that Governor Palin abused her power by violating the section of the uh, Alaska Executive Branch Ethics Act that says that, quote, any effort to benefit a personal or financial interest through an official action is a violation of that trust. So she fits right in with the Bush administration's policy of we didn't break any rules. There are no rules. Yeah. And then, of course, they initially were going to cooperate with the investigation, and then they pulled the uh, Carl Rovey and Dick Cheney, whatever, we're not going to respond to subpoenas and to heck with you and to heck with the Constitution. Um, this is all incredibly troubling. Uh, let's give out a brain damage award to Rush Limbaugh, apparently, today. he Boy, some really uh, said that uh, Powell's endorsement, and I'm paraphrasing here, is, quote, totally about race. Um, really? Uh, of course, you know, Powell, as this sort of extolled paragon of presidential timber and all the, I don't know, the mainstream love affair that they have with Colin Powell at some level has always troubled me a bit. Um, Obviously, the war in Iraq has uh, proven that the Powell doctrine as a military concept has some validity, but I've always argued that Colin Powell has never run for president because of the uninvestigated role that he played in the Iran-Contra affair. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't bring in my copy of the Tower Commission report, but uh, there is a paragraph in there that shows that Powell was uh, hot on the case of transferring arms to Iran uh, even before getting official authorization from Casper Weinberger. Uh, At the time, he worked in the uh, Department of Defense as an assistant. But, yeah, it's just... I don't know. The, my head begins to spin when I begin to contemplate all the things that are going on. You know, a rescue pack package for the financial institutions, the stimulus package, uh, on and on. You know, what next? But uh, it's uh, very interesting to uh, read William Grider's uh, comments in the November 3rd edition of The Nation magazine regarding the some aspects of the bailout uh, bill. This is the nine chosen banks that uh, were uh, feted by uh, Treasury Secretary Paulson uh, just a week ago, uh, in which the British model uh, employed by Gordon Brown, who used to be the chancellor of the Exchequer there in Britain, who's now the current prime minister, he nationalized the British banks. And this apparently is uh, where we're headed here in the United States. William Greider writes, the $125 billion or so targeted for the nine biggest banks will not be enough to heal them all. Institutional Risk Analytics, a bank monitoring firm, says that $250 billion in capital injections will, quote, be just the down payment to get through the wave of loan losses headed for some of the larger players in the U.S. banking sector. Meanwhile, the money 
provides a feel-good tonic for the club, the relatively small congregation of financial institutions that exert such oppressive influence over business and society, not to mention uh, politics. Uh, the next president, he, I'm continuing here, skipping over, uh, and Treasury Secretary, if they have the nerve, will have to confront the question of scale and cut the big banks down to size, small enough to fail without damaging society. Uh, because there are some rumors that uh, the United States may shortly be headed towards a sort of four megabank situation with a lot of very small regional banks and local banks. Many of these small uh, regional and local banks, by the way, are not in a financial crisis because they have not rashly uh, lend, lent out money to uh, people either unwilling or unable to pay back the loans. And indeed, it's interesting to note that most of the foreclosure problems in America are sort of isolated in the usual red states, uh, similar to the savings and loan mm -hmm. situation from the 80s. Southern California, Nevada, Arizona, Florida. Uh, these account for a very large percentage of the foreclosure problem. And I think that it's important to make a distinction in the foreclosure in understanding the foreclosure problem, that there are two different problems. One is uh, that we mentioned last week is the negative equity situation in which people basically bought too much house mm -hmm. and their houses are, they owe more than the houses are worth. Uh, to me, that's not a crisis. Uh, if they are able to continue to pay the mortgage, let them continue to stay in the house. A house should not be seen as a piggy bank. It should be seen as a domicile. A dwelling place. That we live in. Right. Um, and so there's a certain problem with the mortgage crisis that's connected to that. But the other aspect of the mortgage crisis that's, in my opinion, far more alarming are those people that are uh, losing their houses because of job losses, because of the rising unemployment uh, situation. And uh, I think it's uh, encouraging that there is actual now, uh, actually now some open discussions of a second stimulus package. Uh, and I think that the Democrats, if uh, need be, should exclude the Republicans from uh, the stimulus package, because when I read that Roy Blunt uh, does not want to uh, include um, public works or, um, as he put it, uh, um, he doesn't want to include that sort of thing, or, as he put it, bailing out states that spent too much on Medicaid. <laughs> um the Republicans are the ones that pushed Medicaid onto the states. Mm. And, you know, to give you an idea of how alarming this uh, credit crisis is, just recently, even wealthy states like California and Massachusetts have had difficulty uh, raising capital uh, in the short-term markets. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is very alarming. Um, these states, by the way, are normally well-capitalized, the, the high-tech uh, resides in these areas. Um, Massachusetts, of course, is one of the most highly educated, most uh, per capita wealthy states in America. Well, and California, if it were removed from the rest of the 50 mm -hmm. states, would be, I think, the sixth or seventh largest economy in the world. Yeah, and they're having a budget debate in which the Terminator is uh, unsure of how to proceed forward. Uh, he wants to massively cut 
uh, jobs in California and state spending. And indeed, uh, when you hear that 30 to 35 states are in serious financial um, hot water at the moment, you begin to grasp uh, how comprehensive the problem is and uh, is how likely it's going to continue. Because like I say, we're just at the beginning of our problems. Yeah, and uh, all this last week, there's been a number of articles in the Financial Times about what they're calling the Europeanization of U.S. capitalism. Mm -hmm. And uh, one article here in particular nicely headlined, Undertakers Deliver Last Rights for U.S. Capitalism. It talks about uh, Treasury Secretary Paulson's uh, statements to the press there, uh, starting as he did with, America is a strong nation. We are a confident and optimistic people. Our confidence is born out of our long history of meeting every challenge we face. But then reality rears its ugly head, and the details emerge. Um, the only name that I saw really in the uh, papers last week, more than Joe the Plumber, besides obviously from McCain and Obama, um, was John Maynard Keynes. Mm -hmm. uh, his name uh, keeps coming up, and I think uh, we'll continue to hear a lot about Keynesian economic policies. But uh, just to touch back on the earlier comments about Joe the Plumber, um, so-called, um, he's hardly the average guy. I mean, the uh, idea of Joe, hey, how's it going, Joe, the regular guy? And he looks like a regular guy and all that, but uh, he's rather lucky and, and skilled, no doubt, uh, to some extent, to have pulled together a business that's worth as much as it is. That's hardly a situation that the average Joe finds himself in these days. You mentioned the number of uh, people unable to make mortgage payments and so forth. Well, and it turns out he's apparently he's not even a plumber, and his income last year wasn't in this over 250000 uh, area uh, in dispute under the Obama plan, but uh, it was closer to 40000 and it also turned out apparently he owed the state of Ohio some taxes, so... I guess he can thank John McCain for being catapulted into Blowing his cover. <laughs> national prominence. But uh, speaking of John Maynard Keynes, I just there's a great quote uh, from him here that I think is uh, worth interjecting uh, because there's all this talk about long run and short run, mm -hmm. and of course his famous line in the long run we're all we're all dead in anyway. the long run we're all dead anyway right. Um, that indeed the government might want to get as Keynesian economic policy outlines that when people are saving, the government is spending. When the you know the it's flipped around uh, in, the, in the vice versa case, but uh, public works, why not spend some money generating jobs? And this is, I suppose, partly what the Obama energy plan is geared towards. Mm -hmm. But uh, hey, you know, everybody listening to the sound of our voice in Michigan knows what the roads are like, sure, and the bridges are like. And uh, these are good jobs. And I, and I think that if Obama wins, and it appears that he will, uh, barring perhaps a nuclear war with Iran in the next uh, couple of weeks, I don't know if Bush is, is that daring, but... <laughs> well, we'll see if uh, Bush's bin Laden connection is able to kind of finagle a, a new tape out of the old boy. Yeah, I'm sure he'll come out uh, on the Friday before the election and endorse Obama. You can count on that. Apparently, he came out of the woodwork uh, back in 2004 to endorse John Kerry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, at the essence of the of the 
plans, quote unquote, that we hear from McCain and Obama, I think that it's interesting to contrast them. John, and I'm going to quote again from the November 3rd edition of The Nation by William Greider, an outstanding uh, economic analyst who's uh, written for Rolling Stone, among other uh, publications over the years. And has been a long time uh, uh, sort of executive editor at The Nation. A magazine, by the way, that Paul Newman, uh, bless his heart, bailed out uh, several years ago. John McCain responds to the crisis with grandly irrelevant ideas like cutting the capital gains tax in half. Kind of hard to worry about capital gains taxes when <laughs> the stock market <laughs> goes down. Free fall. Well, free fall. I mean, just three weeks ago, it was noted that the $9 trillion of American paper wealth had been wiped off the books, and uh, not much of it's been restored. Uh, grandly irrelevant ideas like cutting capital gains taxes in half, but also useful ones like reducing the tax rate on withdrawals from IRAs and, and a mortgage plan similar to the New Deal era homeowners loan corporation that Hillary Clinton has led many Democrats into proposing. Obama proposes smaller but concrete measures like a 90-day moratorium on home foreclosures. Banks that receive government aid would be told not to act against families trying to make payments even if they are behind. Bankruptcy judges would be authorized to modify mortgage terms. Families could withdraw money from retirement accounts to pay bills without being penalized. Obama would extend unemployment benefits and suspend taxes on that income. He would also give small businesses a $3,000 tax credit for each new job they create and distribute $50 billion to states and localities to finance roads, bridges, and to make schools energy efficient. He would double the capital loan. Uh, to the auto industry to $50 billion. And these are, you know, small positive steps that, that I think can be implemented quickly and without a lot of uh, argument. Unfortunately, it's the Republican Party that's in complete disarray. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I predicted that they were on the verge of becoming the Whigs, that there's going to be a sort of well, certainly with Colin Powell's statement over the weekend, we can see the, the moderate center of yeah. the party really uh, virtually defunct anyway drop right out. Because I think that was what was interesting about the, uh, the the Powell appearance. It was not only, hey, I'm, I prefer Ob Obama, but he went into a specific critique of the Republican Party as he's seen it and um, some of the vicious... Things that have been said in recent weeks uh, that John McCain and Sarah Palin have either sort of promoted or remained silent about. And I think that's uh, very troubling. Um, and you got to love Thomas Friedman when he writes, even the Bobbies were banking in Iceland. <laughs> I don't know if you read about the Iceland, uh, Icelandic crisis. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty serious. Uh... Yeah, they had to be bailed out big time. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very confusing, complicated uh, financial uh, situation. But I, I wanted to also denounce the Republican Party for the tactics that we've seen in the last three weeks, couple of weeks, in which the, the main focus of their argument now is to talk about ACORN and, mm -hmm. you know, fraudulent voter registration cards. <laughs> uh, this, of course, turns out to be sort of typical of their hysteria about things like tort reform and t 
terrorists well, in our midst. It's also reminiscent of ways in which. Uh, People who are guilty of certain crimes, you know, loudly proclaim the similar guilts of others, pointing sure. in the other direction. Mm -hmm. Ooh, ooh, you guys are cheaters. Hope they don't notice that we've been cheating. Because, sure, we've had vote fraud in this country. It's called the last two presidential elections. Indeed. And <clears throat> vote suppression and robocalls and all these tactics right. that we are, by the way, very familiar with here in the state of Michigan. Um, we can recall in the last election that the... Uh, Republican Party threw out uh, fraudulent flyers uh, in Michigan and Ohio uh, in African-American neighborhoods telling them the wrong day. Go out and vote, you know, the next day. Yeah, you. the Democrats vote on Wednesday. <laughs> and, of course, the New York Times documented, by the way, that uh, George B Bush received uh, something like 1,500 to 2,000 fraudulent absentee ballots in the 2000 Florida election in which they documented by going back through uh, absentee ballots that were postmarked after the election that were counted by Secretary of State Kathleen Harris. Um, perhaps Kathleen Harris and Palin and this uh, congresswoman from Minnesota, Michelle Bachman, can... Uh, come up with a, a TV show in which they can be Charlie's Angels and go out and... Or the Weird bust. Sisters from Macbeth. <laughs> but, yeah, the three witches from Macbeth. When shall we three meet again? And they can... In thunder, lightning, or with McCain. And conduct various inquisitions That's around right. the country into anti-Americanism and vote fraud. Because, to quote Bob Bennett, chairman of the Ohio Republican Party... The Democrats have proven once again they'd rather steal elections than win them fairly. Oh, really? <laughs> Amazing. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, and I think that it's been determined, by the way, that the Justice Department over the past eight years has prosecuted something like 120 cases of voter fraud. It's not widespread. Uh, certainly there are... Issues involving absentee ballots that probably need to be looked at uh, more thoroughly. But um, I think that this, the, the phrase in sports is working the refs. Well, the, the right. Republicans are working the public right now. What they're trying to do, they know they're going to lose in a landslide. Uh, in fact, there's now some evidence that they may lose uh, the Senate in, in terms of up to nine seats. There may actually be a veto, a veto-proof uh, or a cloture-proof, I should say, a majority that the Democrats have. I kind of hope the Democrats get the 61, and then they can throw Lieberman under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> a fate well-earned. I've been reading the book of Esther, uh, which apparently oh, is yeah. Sarah Palin's favorite book. And at the beginning of the book, there are two eunuchs that accompany the king everywhere. And it occurred to me as I was watching McCain campaign with both Lindsey Graham and Joe Lieberman <laughs> there they are. at his side. I thought, those are the two eunuchs. <laughs> and we'll have to do a spoof on the Book of Esther someday, because apparently it is Palin's favorite book. It's about a beauty queen. A beauty that becomes queen. Right. She's part of the harem that... Yeah. It's Old Testament stuff. Right. It's weird. <laughs> uh, you'll only hear about it on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, where uh, gray matters and in a holding pattern 
uh, until such time as the Yazoo City calling program begins. And let's remember too on this on this whole vote that's going on here in America that we've we've gone through two questionable uh, elections in terms of vote counts and whatnot, and yet there are still something like a third of all votes to be cast uh, this you know in this upcoming season that are 